Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL podcast. Great innovations and great hiring has one thing in common. You have to ask the right questions. Get Indeed and use 135 finely tuned assessments to hire great people faster. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, aka BTZ, doing it nice, slow, and easy. This is the show where we talk about everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. If it sounds maybe a little different, that's because I'm at a undisclosed location, which would actually be my parents' house. I'm traveling, and so that's why the show is just one day later. But look, we're going to ramp up, and this is kind of a all-encompassing episode of everything we expect to see at Apple's keynote because earlier it was officially revealed that it would be September the 14th, which is going to be Tuesday. So we're just, what, three days away from that? And it will be at 10 a.m. Pacific time, start time for the keynote. And Apple, they obviously put out their invite and I like to kind of play around and decode this. The actual print on the invite itself said California streaming. It's in front of this like a lake backdrop with kind of dark navies and blacks and a reflection that's kind of pink. It almost looks like Lake Tahoe to me. I don't know if that's the exact landmark. They haven't even said or confirmed that, but we try to like read the code. They also did this glowing Apple logo with a blue glow uh, right in the center floating above there. Apple also did kind of some other cool elements where a lot of times we've seen these invites and they've had augmented reality elements. And if you go to Apple's mobile site on an iOS or iPadOS device and you click onto the actual kind of announcement, it'll take you to an augmented reality. You know, it jumps you into their augmented reality experience. And what's cool is if you shoot it like on a table or something, you'll see an Apple logo reveal and float. But what you can do is actually like push your phone inside of the Apple logo, which will then reveal this dark lake scene. And you'll basically be in a completely different environment inside of this Apple logo. The date 914, which is September 14th, is going to flash and show up. And so that's, it's actually, in my opinion, the coolest AR experience they've done for any inviter product so far. I feel like they're trying to continue to play around with this in the invite and just kind of see what they're capable of. But a lot of things that people are saying is, oh, it's it's augmented reality. They've got to show off Apple Glass. Well, sorry to break it to y'all. I highly doubt that they're going to show off Apple Glass at all. But the Apple logo itself, the date 914, the way it was presented, it kind of had this glow. And a lot of people are saying, hey, that means always on display. It could mean a variety of things. But the reality is, as of today, which is the recording of this is on Saturday, from everything we've heard and kind of a little nugget that I recently got, we are expecting to see iPhone 13 lineup, whether it's the iPhone 13 or iPhone 13 Pro. We're expecting to see the Apple Watch Series 7 announcement. We don't know if it's going to be delayed or not yet. We're also expecting to see AirPods 3. And finally, one little sneaker that we haven't heard much about. Reportedly, not even reportedly, from the grapevine, I've been told that the entry-level iPad with a processor upgrade will also be announced at this keynote there's no no one's really talking about that it's not a big game changer but they would be upgrading their entry-level ipad which is what they did last year i believe it would be the ninth generation ipad um and 
when you t talk about iPad mini, the new revamp design, that's not going to happen here, according to reports. So iPhones, Apple Watch, AirPods, and entry-level iPad. So we have those main products, but let's kind of really get you all caught up to speed, do a deep dive from uh, La Casa de Tong. This is, the, this is the location that I'm at, but I can't tell you exactly where it is. But let's talk about, first of all, we've heard so much. We know so many things, but I'm going to give you kind of this deep dive about the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro. Obviously, the design is not going to be a secret. We know what they look like. They look pretty much exactly like the iPhone 12 lineup. Four sizes. iPhone 13 mini will be 5.4 inches, same as last year. iPhone 13 and iPhone 13 Pro will be 6.1 inches, same as last year. And iPhone 13 Pro Max, 6.7 inches, same as last year as well. We're going to get the same Super Retina XDR display, but all indications is that the Pro line will get the 120 hertz smooth, buttery ProMotion display that we've seen on the iPad family. And I continue to tell people I think it's a nice add-on. It's I There's going to be a large amount of users that I don't know if you're going to rant or rave about it. It, it The effect is so much more uh, palpable and definitely enhances the experience on an iPad. I think it's going to be a nice to have, but you're not going to really, I don't think, because the screen is already, quite honestly, pretty smooth without being 120 hertz, I don't think you're going to feel like it's a game changer. And I think also so many other devices have it. And it's not like everyone has said, oh my goodness, 120 hertz on Samsung displays. This is amazing. It's a nice to have on a phone. It's nice, but it, it's not going to be that much of a game changer. Maybe game changer for some of you and still not for me. A smaller notch, they're going to be moving that kind of speaker grill that's in the center of your iPhone on the notch. If you look at it, they're going to be kind of pushing it up to the top of the edge based on what we've seen on from component parts that have leaked. And then that means they'll squish the camera and all the other sensors for Face ID, bring them a little closer together, which would allow the notch itself to be uh, shorter and smaller in size. We know that. The phone itself reportedly will be 0.26 millimeters thicker and the actual camera lens that pop out uh, reportedly will not be popping out as much, but you'll still have that camera bump there. Now, the thickness um, and other improvements internally reportedly will create a little more space to give them a larger battery, which could in turn kind of be one of the main focus points of what this new iPhone 13 will be is bring us new battery life. Now, how does that get accomplished? Well, first of all, obviously... You put in a larger battery. You create that space to put in a larger battery, but it's going to come down to the new A15 Bionic chip that's inside. And the reason why that's encouraging is that they're using a new 5 nanometer plus process from the factory level from TSMC. And this 5 nanometer plus process allows them to produce a chip here that is actually going to be more energy efficient and also give you better performance. And that energy efficiency combined with that larger battery internally will potentially and likely bring more battery juice to this phone. The other thing you have with the trade-off is that, okay, we talked about maybe an always-on display. Will that extra juice then just be allocated to take advantage of the always-on display where it ends up becoming a push? Because we've seen that over time where, okay, fine, Apple gives us better, better battery life, but then because it has more features that they throw at us, it ends up kind of being a wash. Also internally, rumors that are still on shaky ground, a potential one terabyte storage capacity option. We recently saw some leaks just over the weekend of different capacities for 
the iPhone and one terabyte did not show up on that list. So we heard some people throw that out over the past two months. But if this, again, we're going to wait till it's official, but if this master list isn't true and accurate, maybe we don't really, maybe we shouldn't expect to see one terabyte storage at this um, iPhone 13, iPhone 13 Pro for options. And quite honestly, I would expect even if they did it, maybe it's going to be for the Pro models. And even at that, maybe it's only for the Pro Max. You know, if we're going to, we're going to make it a Pro Max, like the maximum capacity would be one terabyte. So we'll wait and see. And then also internally, Qualcomm's new X60 Qualcomm modem. Now, the, the big advantage here is you're going to get better 5G performance, and that's support for millimeter wave and 6 gigahertz. Those are the two kind of flavors of 5G, depending on where you at, also are dependent on what countries you're in and what infrastructure is there. But that'll make it a more versatile 5G phone. I still, I legitimately still have never seen 5G pop up on my phone. I mean, I'm on AT&T, so I'm sure it'd show up on Verizon a little better, but where I live, I've never seen um, any of the at least, you know, new flavor 5G. Nope, just haven't seen it. I do get the LTE, but 5G, eh. So that kind of covers the main features and specs inside battery life. That's going to be one of the focuses. We also have really the biggest thing that I see here is the camera changes. We've talked about this in other episodes, but we're going to kind of drill down a little deeper here. First of all, across the entire product line, you're going to get that sensor shift stabilization where when you shake the camera, it has basically a mechanism where it, I guess it floats and wobbles with you, kind of like a gimbal system, but internally, and that sensor shift, that sensor itself will compensate for that wobble. It was only in the 12 Pro Max last year. The coin reports sensor shift image stabilization is going to come across the entire product line. And again, could they have done that last year? I feel like they could have. I feel that's like a total Apple thing to, oh, we'll just put on the Pro Max, but next year we'll give it to all of them, even though we could have done it this year, but we're not going to do it this year. The biggest thing here is going to be a new ultra wide lens, and that would be specifically to the Pro models. It's going to be an improved six element lens. And so this is like kind of the layers of glass um, that the lens is composed of that's going to allow more light in. So reports have said that this new ultra wide lens specifically for the iPhone 13 Pro and Pro Max, we'll have a f1.8 aperture, aperture versus the f2.4 aperture on the iPhone 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max. This also ultra-wide lens will be able to keep more things in focus. It's going to have an autofocus involved in it. So that's going to be for the Pro side. But then another kind of interesting, real subtle nugget is we have the telephoto specific to the Pro models. And last year, the telephoto lens for the Zoom that's on the 12 Pro Max, was the two and a half times zoom. Well, they're going to take that telephoto lens and bring it to the 13 Pro. So last year, the 12 Pro only had a 2X telephoto and the 12 Pro Max had a two and a half X telephoto zoom. This year, 13 Pro and 13 Pro Max are expected to both get that two and a half times zoom coming to the 13 Pro and 13 Pro Max. From the video side, this one's kind of, I'm going to have to see how I implement this into my workflow, but a coin reports in, this one came from Bloomberg and Mark Gurman, Apple's going to make an option for the ProRes video format available, and this should be geared to the Pro models as well. And what does this really mean? So it's a higher quality video format, and what it allows you to do is basically do better color correcting and editing in the post-production process and really have more finite control with how your video ends up looking. 
Think of it as they had Pro Raw for photos last year. Pro Res video is going to be like the Pro Raw for photos now coming to video for the iPhone and specifically for the iPhone 13 Pro models. So I think that's going to be interesting for creators. But again, everyone can use it, but is everyone going to use it? Because these file sizes are also going to be bigger. So I think that will have an impact to a certain segment of users, but not the large amount of users. I, I can imagine... Like sometimes we get caught up in this YouTube tech reviewer bubble where all everyone is like raving about a feature because it does help them. But then to the general population, it's not that big of a deal. You're also expecting to see portrait video from the wide lens, wide lens not the ultra wide, but kind of your standard go to camera portrait video in the new iPhone 13 Pro models. And I don't know how it's going to look. I mean, we've seen. We've seen them at least incorporate portrait video with the front-facing lens if you want to do FaceTime calls right now um, in the iOS 15 beta. You can see that right now, and it just looks kind of like a fuzzy Zoom call. So maybe they impress us with the new portrait video mode. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be... I'm really curious. If it's just Zoom, basically a Zoom-looking portrait video, I don't care. But if they can actually give us... I'm not expecting full DSLR quality type depth you know depth of field and shout just get those beautiful bokeh shots i don't expect that but what what are they going to do there we'll we'll have to find out so the iphone 13 and 13 pro lineup is everything we expect really i think the two big tent poles they're going to hit is better battery life a significantly improved camera i've said this over and over for someone like a creator like me this is interesting and intriguing it becomes more intriguing but you know if you saw my most recent video on the iphone 14 that john prosser leaked I think a lot of people, I'm not, look, this is, it's all unofficial. Nothing is official until Apple makes it official. But when you see the new 14 design with the removal of the notch, putting in a hole punch camera, you see a flush back. You're probably expecting even better improved cameras there, but just kind of a nice solid form factor. That does feel like the true next generation. And being someone who's a 12 Pro owner, I will review the 13 Pro, but I just don't, Especially, especially when we see the 14, I just don't, I just don't see it right now. But at the same time, the 11 Pro is one of my favorite phones, and it specifically excelled in battery life and camera features when it introduced the first time ever for Apple the triple lens camera, which was just from an, how the how seamlessly working with the three cameras in one was. That's what was special. So that all that same mechanism is always going to exist. Will the features and the quality of the cameras make this worthwhile? Uh, I'm, I, I feel like flipping a coin right now, and that's where I'm at. I, I don't feel like this 13 Pro for me is a gotta have, but again, it depends on where you are in the upgrade lifecycle. I've seen people who commented on the videos, and they're like, "Oh, you know, I have an 8. I even have a 10 or a 10s. I think I'm gonna wait for the 14." And if you are completely happy with your iPhone, other than feeling kind of like that, uh iPhone Envy are like, oh, it's an upgrade year and we've got, maybe it's time to upgrade. I think if you are more than happy with your phones, I can definitely tell you from that generation to even like the current 12 and what the cameras are doing, it is pretty amazing and spectacular if if that's your priority. But at the same time, those cameras are already pretty darn good themselves. So I think there's going to be a lot of decisions where this may not be the sexiest year, but I, I really think of this as kind of like an 11 Pro year when I look at this phone and Again, that was one of my favorite phones. So 
there you go. That's everything that we know right now and what we're expecting from the iPhone 13 and iPhone 13 Pro family. I think also the the kind of the biggest revamp and the biggest redesign here at this keynote is obviously going to be the new Apple Watch Series 7. Now, we're expecting the Apple Watch faces themselves to increase in size based on reports. Currently, they are at 40 and 44 millimeters tall. This is how Apple at least measures them, not diagonally when they present them, at least to the consumer. The new ones are expected to come in at 41 and 45 millimeters tall. This is going to be an all-new design, very similar to what we're seeing in the iPhone and the iPad, flat body, flat edges, and rounded corners. So it's like a a little iPad mini, 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 iPad mini on your uh, wrist. I think the design does, does you know, I do, I, sometimes I'm kind of worried about all their products looking exactly the same as they kind of embrace this, I guess you would call it almost the iPhone 4-ish aesthetic, which is, in my opinion, the best looking iPhone that we've ever seen. You know, people can debate maybe between the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 5 because I think the iPhone 5 kind of was a, a super streamlined, but there was something industrial yet modern about the 4, and it's incorporated to even a more modernized aesthetic when we saw those leaks of the 14 from John Prosser. And again, we'll see if those do pan out, but knowing John and knowing what he's put out, and let's be honest, he put out the AirTags first renders ever, like three three months before they came out. It was pretty much right on the money. He put out renders for the AirPods Max, where people are like, ah, this is fake. It was pretty much right on the money. He's also put out renders for the iPhone 13 and uh, Apple Watch Series 7. And when I say renders, these are based off of his contacts and designs that he's seen. And then he basically recreates them. If those two are on the money, which we expect them to be, and people are like saying, oh, your 14 leak is fake. I mean, you can, but there's kind of a really strong established track record. Oh, he's also thrown out the uh, iPad mini six renders that we haven't seen yet come out uh, for as a product, which is expected to come out sometime in October. So we're talking about five for five, arguably with the best first looks image renders of these products three to six months before they come out. It's got to give what we saw from the 14 leaks some more weight. So I do like how the Apple watch series seven looks. It also expected to get a larger screen because they're going to reduce the bezels around the edges of the screen so we're reportedly going to get 16 percent more screen real estate with those thinner bezels and the result of that is apple's working on a whole bunch of new watch faces for the apple watch series 7 that will incorporate more complications there's one reportedly from mark bloomberg that's going to be kind of a watch face that has a whole bunch of different basically time zones all on one watch face in a row that can that'll be fun but i I do embrace if they can basically keep the watch the same size and give us a larger screen and give us kind of more functionality. I love that. I It's still hard for me to say. I mean, I have, I'm still on Apple Watch Series 4. So I'm going to say right now, look, the fact that it's a new design and I haven't upgraded since the 4, I'm probably going to upgrade to the 7. I mean, I'm pretty confident I will. But other than the design aesthetic, it's going to be interesting to see what else they can really bring they have a new, according to reports, a new two-sided systems and a package for the S7 processor that will be internally in there. And because it's this new double-sided system, it will reportedly create more space inside of the Apple Watch, which could then be used for, again, a larger battery. And with this larger battery and with this new S7 that is um, going to be 
built off of the 5 nanometer process. Now, we talked about the iPhone's uh, A15 processor being on the 5 nanometer plus process. So it's kind of like one next step ahead of this 5 nanometer process. But even at that, with this chip for the Apple Watch Series 7, it's going to be, again, a more power efficient and better performance chip. So combine that again with a larger battery and this could be all new design, better battery Apple Watch. And is that enough for people? We'll see. I mean, we're not even getting close to two days of battery juice. I'm still kind of at that one day and a few hours in the morning if I forget to charge it overnight, which happens all the time. So we'll see if much changes there. I don't know. I don't even know if if we get one more hour. Okay, but that that's not really going to make that large of an impact. The biggest way that this Apple Watch can be special beyond the design, because I do think a design year always compels people to upgrade, but again, I'd, I'd say I'd be just as happy with the 4. If I was not reviewing tech for a living, how about this? I would easily keep my 4 right now. The 5 didn't do much for me. The 6 didn't do much for me. I mean, really, from 4 to 5, you basically got the always-on display and a faster processor for the most part, and then from the 5 to 6, you basically got the blood oxygen monitoring um, those three features there, faster processor, always on display and blood oxygen is kind of like the big key reasons to upgrade from those different years from four to five to six. Those were not compelling enough for me and my four. I do not feel like I miss a single thing by keeping my four. And I think I still wouldn't miss anything by not getting a seven, but do I like the idea of a larger screen with a new design? Yes. So I'm going to get a Series 7 for myself. And we'll see how it, you know, hopefully I'll get access to review the product early if I can. And I've been fortunate in the past. I've actually never been able to get Apple Watch for for first, what should we call it? The first press reviews, that first group. I never have. So we'll see if that happens this year. Um, whether it does or not, I'm still going to put out a review. But it'll be interesting to see if how much of an impact that really makes for me. Now, I did allude to the fact that health, This is kind of how the Apple Watch has differentiated itself. And we're starting to see other companies really... The Apple Watch experience is the best experience, but Samsung is already putting like sensors that just don't exist in the Apple Watch. They have... uh, They do have blood pressure on Samsung Watch. They also do have this new like body mass index um, calculation on the new Samsung Galaxy Watch 4 as well. Apple's going to have neither of those, and all reports indicate, at least from what we've heard, that we should not expect to see any new actual health tracking sensor for the Apple Watch Series 7. Now, that kind of surprises me. I feel like we've got to see something. We've heard rumors of maybe a core body temperature sensor. We've also heard rumblings that have been shot down of blood pressure, and then the big one that everyone is kind of hoping for that would really have the biggest impact on health, some sort of blood glucose monitoring tracker, or at least be able to get blood sugar trends. Well, those aren't expected to come to this Apple Watch Series 7. And if so, right now, as it stands today, if it's just a better design and a slightly better battery, is that compelling for you to upgrade to a Series 7? I would say for most people, no. Even if it got a core body temperature um, reading, it then comes down to how do they incorporate those sensors into new tracking metrics, like, for example, the sleep tracking that needs to be improved significantly. We didn't see much in their watch. Where are we, what are we at? Are we at Watch OS eight? Someone's gonna have to. Someone's gonna scold me. But 
I believe we're at the new watchOS would be watchOS 8 that would roll out with this watch series 7. They didn't really show off anything significantly beefed up in regards to like a significantly better sleep tracking um, data and metrics. It was kind of like a little better, but that's the type of stuff that we need to see with all these sensors that it has. Can it bring us more? If someone like me who has a series four, who just because I'm going to upgrade because of tech reasons, well, what about most people with a series four? What are, what are you going to show them that really makes it worth upgrading other than the design? But then maybe it is just the design that people jump on. So Apple Watch Series 7 will also be expected to be announced at the event. We don't know event. We don't know the pricing yet, but it should pretty much be very similar. The other key nugget that we will not see in regards to the Apple Watch is we don't expect to see a new Apple Watch SE. So the current Apple Watch SE, which is the watch that I recommend to every single person when they first want to look at an Apple Watch, that should still be the same. And the fact that that watch with the Series 6 type design with the larger screen, um, it just doesn't basically have the blood oxygen sensor. Not everyone needs that. And I believe, ooh, someone correct me. I believe it's, is it under, is it around 249 or so? That is still, even with the Watch Series 7, would still be the first watch that I recommend for people to check out before they buy any Apple Watch. So that just shows how good that product is based on price, based on features and longevity versus the Apple Watch Series 7. I could today say right now, if you're going to buy an Apple Watch and you're not looking to get the highest end model and you don't need all that, still get an Apple Watch SE. So we'll see how it all shakes out. All right, everybody. Thanks again to Indeed for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL. Have you ever looked at your company's hiring practices and thought, there's got to be a better way here? Well, you are not the only one. Indeed is innovating recruiting by letting you pay only for quality candidates that meet your must-have requirements. When hiring gets hard, you need Indeed. This is the job site that makes hiring incredibly simple. Just attract, interview, and hire. In fact, with Indeed, you can do all of your hiring in one place, even interviewing. Don't just hope that your perfect candidate is going to find you. Indeed's hiring tools help you cut through the noise to hire faster and smarter. In fact, Indeed Instant Match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are on Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. With Indeed assessments, you can choose from 135 skills tests to help make sure that you find applications from people with the skills that you need. According to TalentNest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Offer valid through September 30th. Terms and conditions apply. All right, let's get back to the keynote, the Apple event again, September 14th, which is Tuesday, starting at 10 a.m. Pacific. I will obviously, if you don't follow along with me, will have my own live stream coverage on my YouTube channel. I started around 8.30 a.m. Pacific time. And so we get your calls, your tweets, your polls. We just do some fun stuff over there. So come and hang out and then we'll do a pre-show. We'll do the keynote. Then we'll do the post-show, the wrap-up where everyone's like calls in and vents and it's like this cathartic release and some people will be happy and some people will be sad and some people will be angry and mad and some people will be like, I'm going to buy everything that I saw is a wide range of emotions. So check that out. But as we get back to the keynote, I think a thing that is not being talked about and we are, we are expecting to potentially see this. This is still, I would say probably coming, but I wouldn't be surprised if maybe we don't see it, but I still think it's probably coming 
AirPods 3. So this will be the third generation of the standard AirPods. AirPods Pro 2, if you're hoping for that, all reports say that we're going to see those sometime next year. So we're going to focus here on AirPods 3, which will be kind of the entry-level AirPods moving forward after this event. And we are expecting to see an announcement here. The new thing about that, it's a new design that is going to look similar to the Pros, meaning they're going to have the shorter stems. The the, uh, actual earbuds will be shaped differently, more similar to the Pros. So you're going to get those shorter stems. Now, the Pros have the silicone tips that kind of go in your ears to fit better um, and kind of create a seal. According to reports, we've seen different renders, some with tips, some with not. But I think a lot of people have gotten on board with the idea that the new AirPods 3 will not have silicone tips. That's going to help, you know, really reduce the cost and also kind of keep that differentiation. I mean, the AirPods entry level has never had silicone tips. And so I just think I've, I I kind of align with that, but we'll see. That may change. Um, these will not have any noise canceling. So that's going to be kind of one of those things. What differentiates the pros from the AirPods 3? No noise canceling. That They're going to kind of keep that in the uh, professional level. I also think that we haven't heard this, if this is going to happen or not. But if they're going to take um, noise canceling away when you talk about the entry level AirPods, will they also remove spatial audio and only keep that for pro products? Because right now, the spatial audio feature, if you listen with Apple Music... That's with the AirPods Pro and the AirPods Max. But I think it would actually be smart for spatial audio to be available for the AirPods 3 because if they're trying to push this as a feature to really kind of broaden it out, people still aren't really, at least the general consumer, is like spatial audio, what does that mean? And if you just tell them, oh, you sound more immersed and the audio just sounds better, it feels like you're in the middle of it. Okay, but if the most popular airpods which would be the entry-level ones don't have that they can't experience that and whenever they use something like apple music and you see the dolby atmos spatial audio little icon and you can't even use it what's the point so i feel like it would be smart to incorporate spatial audio in these airpods 3 we'll see what happens with that um there have also been reports that maybe we'll see some health tracking sensors on this that's that is definitely not going to be for the pros i think that you say i'm sorry it's definitely not going to be for the entry-level ones i say that definitely but I could be wrong there. The other thing is there's going to be a new um, improved H1 chip inside of these AirPods to help with better sound quality, but also better battery efficiency. A coin reports that potentially these new AirPods 3 could get up to 50% better battery life. And then this new chip would also help with faster and better auto switching between different Apple devices in the ecosystem. Because you got to remember like the AirPods used to be really an iPhone accessory, but now AirPods just that whole brand, that whole lineup has really become an accessory to the entire ecosystem with this auto switching between devices. Also tap controls. You know that the pros have squeeze controls. They kind of have a little indention on the little mini stem that you can squeeze and you can also customize what that does, but we don't see that on the shorter stem. So maybe the assumption is that the AirPods third generation are still tap based, although they look like the third generation. Oh, sorry. They look like the AirPods pro. So we'll have to see what happens there but if you had a if you like said hey brian what do you think i think they're going to keep the tap controls on the airpods 3 and the squeeze controls will still be for the pro line i think that comes down to cost more than anything the battery case itself it's larger than the current airpods but smaller than the current airpods 3 a little wider a little taller so it kind of falls somewhere in between there based on renders that we've seen 
Reports say that's going to actually have 20% more battery capacity in the case. They also say that the case will be wireless out of the gate. So right now, the entry-level AirPods second generation, you have the option to buy the wireless charging case or not. Reports are saying that this case out of the gates will be a wireless wireless charging case. So AirPods 3, I think there's going to be a lot of people that are excited to see these. And also, I mean, I think there's people that are going to want these because they look like pros, but they aren't pros, and you won't have to pay a pro price. I think there's something to be said about that, that there are consumers that, that do kind of want the visual swag without having to pay the swag price. And even even at that, I mean, these are still expensive. So these are going to fall still in that $149 to $199 price point. And I think if you look at Apple's product line, the product that immediately competes with these would be the Beats Studio Buds. Those are those new ones that are... Um, the, the design of them, I think, is super slick. They don't have any stems at all. They kind of have this little press button on the... A physical press button to tap onto that that is kind of its own moving part. I think they look really slick, but they also have noise canceling. The noise canceling is not that great on them. And so if Apple's competing in the space, although we've heard reports that there is no noise canceling in these entry-level AirPods, would... Would Apple just put some kind of noise canceling, especially when they have it in the Beats Studio Buds, which is, you know, its own separate brand, but it's owned by Apple. That would make, arguably make those a better solution. But I guess it, I don't, I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head if they have the auto switching on the um, Beats Studio Buds. But even at that, noise canceling at any level is a, is a key feature. So We'll see what happens with these AirPods 3, and uh, we'll find out at the keynote. And then finally, I guess the sleeper that I talked about, the product that's not being talked about, and it's not going to shake up the world, but or maybe it will for you, but a new entry-level iPad, we've heard rumblings that is expected to appear at this September event with an updated processor. It's still going to have that same design with the Touch ID button. You're going to have the large bezels, but the key thing here is updating the processor, bringing a iPad at an entry-level price, really more geared towards maybe use for education than anything else. Now, someone can buy one for home, obviously, but to kind of get that $250-ish iPad under that price point that can be incorporated, ordered in bulk, distributed schools, I, the, the reality is that in education, you know, Apple's not winning when it comes to supplying young people with equipment. Back in the day, part of the way that people got involved in Apple and really the part of the way that I did is that they supplied a lot of the local schools with their hardware, and then because we grew up on them and got used to them, we ended up buying them as adults. I can tell you, when I look at the generation of my nieces and nephews who are right now ages 9 through 16, the computer that they want is not an Apple computer. The computers that they want are made for gaming specifically. They're entire. This is five of them. None of them want an Apple computer. If you said... I'll buy you a new computer today. What do you want? It's going to be a PC that has gaming capabilities that they can also use for school. And so not like literally not a single one of them would want an Apple before a PC. So that shift has repercussions. And if Apple can't, you know, Apple's laptop line is not nearly competitive with what we're seeing from Chromebooks and they can't be right. They just can't be. But if these young people, all they care about is gaming PCs, that are going to be more affordable. Um, I'm curious how that new generation dictates sales and the direction of, you know, how well adopted Apple computers are for the future. I mean, for the creators, that's great, but 
the majority of people are not creating content. And I think sometimes we get a little, when we see all these tech reviews, yeah, tech reviewers are content creators. So that's why they love this stuff. But most people are not. Um, and it's kind of more the ecosystem play that really keeps them in it. So there you go. Um, really, this event, iPhone 13, iPhone 13 Pro, Apple Watch Series 7, AirPods 3, new iPad. We do not expect to see a new Apple M1X or M2, whatever they're going to call it officially. We don't expect to see that here. We don't expect to see new MacBook Pros in the 14-inch and 16-inch here. We don't expect to see a new Mac Mini here. We might, we don't, ex- well, we, we expect to see maybe an entry-level iPad, but the new iPad Mini 6 that would take on kind of some of the design elements of the iPad Air and iPad Pro, we're expecting to see that in October, not here. So just kind of want to set the expectations. This is obviously based on everything we know right now and we've heard. It is all subject to change. Nothing is official until it's official, but that's kind of everything that we expect to see. So I'm curious, right? You're going to listen to this. You're going to see the keynote. It'll be interesting to see what they deliver. And obviously, we'll have a show that follows up. Also, if you're kind of curious and you want to have some fun, um, for the first time, for my Patreon subscribers that support this show, I am going to do a live Zoom. We've done it monthly where we just kind of hang out and talk about everything. But you know, you guys have, and gals have supported my content so much that I felt like, hey, I, I need to kind of show some love back to you. So the week of the Apple event, that Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, you can check out the information on my Patreon, which is just patreon.com slash Brian Tong. We're going to do a one-hour live session where you all just jump in and we just start talking about what we saw, questions, thoughts. It's a really kind of fun, engaging back and forth, and it's really a community that has helped support me and allow me to do this podcast. So I think it'll be fun to check that out as well. Now, I think the one last story, the big story this week that just happened, I think right going into the weekend on Friday, we're, we're going to shift away from the Apple event and, and just know, again, September 14th, 10 a.m. Pacific, all will be answered. But we did get an answer in the Epic Games versus Apple trial. Now, you know, this has been going on, kind of the history of this is that, I think it was around, was it around um, the fall? Sometime in maybe... Was, man, I, I better check my dates, but I do believe it was sometime around the fall. Was it either September or October of um, 2020? But basically, Epic, behind Apple's back, started to offer the ability for people to not use the App Store and buy V-Bucks. V-Bucks is their currency where you can buy in-game items and perks and fun stuff like that because they did that to try and deliberately avoid the 30% cut that Apple makes on every transaction through its app store and through apps that are on that are you know taking advantage of these things apple gets a 30 percent cut of all these things so epic was like no we don't want to do that apple you're a monopoly we're gonna go to court with you and before this whole court trial happened which is pretty high profile where you have a gaming company which has arguably one of the most popular games that still my nieces and nephews play i still jump in but they're claiming, hey, Apple's a, mon- a monopoly. So a decision was reached on Friday in this Epic Games versus Apple trial. U.S. District Judge Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers ruled that Apple's anti-steering conduct is anti-competitive, but ultimately Apple is not a monopoly. There were, I think, roughly, what, how many, there were... It's a 185-page ruling. There were multiple counts that Epic Games was trying to throw out 
against Apple being a monopoly, but they found this to not be true because there is still some level of choice, even though Apple created the App Store. The biggest change that comes out of this, and I think Apple, knowing what was arguably going to happen in this case, if you remember, maybe like a week ago, Apple offered and allowed developers of reader apps or some um, service apps like Netflix or Spotify and even the Amazon Kindle app, they allowed them to, for the first time, use an in-app link that would take them directly to those companies' websites to then purchase or upgrade or set up plans outside of the scope of the Apple Store. Now, what the main ruling that came out of this is that Apple, if upheld, and we'll see if Apple appeals this, is that Apple would have to actually do this practice, allow all apps to give users the ability to purchase content or you know sign up for their services outside of the scope of the Apple App Store, which would then result in Apple not getting a thirty percent cut of those profit of of those transactions. Now, Judge Rogers did rule that during this time that Epic Games broke their contract with Apple and said, hey, guys, buy V-Bucks outside of here. You you know, Apple doesn't get a 30% cut where you're going direct with us so that we maximize our profits. During that time, I think it was somewhere between August through October of 2020, Epic Games sold 12167719 in V-Bucks. And so the judge ruled that Epic will pay damages equal to the 30% of that revenue um, collected from users in the Fortnite app on iOS. So that that ultimately, they still have to pay that 30% cut that Apple gets. You know, Apple put out a statement themselves from their team about this court ruling. So again, the, they said Apple's not a monopoly, but they want to give users and consumers the ability to purchase outside of Apple's walled garden. So... According to the statement from Apple, this is what they said. Today, the court has affirmed what we've known all along. The App Store is not in violation of antitrust law. As the court recognized, success is not illegal. Apple faces rigorous competition in every segment in which we do business, and we believe customers and developers choose us because our products and services are the best in the world. We remain committed to ensuring that the App Store is a safe and trusted marketplace that supports a thriving developer community and more than 2.1 million U.S. jobs and wears rule apply equally to everyone. So you get this ruling that in a way at least validates one of the complaints or some of the complaints that Epic has. Epic CEO Tim Sweeney's like, "Um, yeah, this I'm not <laughs> he's basically said like, mm, this isn't a win for developers or for consumers and quite honestly, we don't know the exact terms and how this is going to completely shake out. The ideal situation that would make sense is that all apps now have the ability to tell users or future customers to set up their subscription plans or purchase content and give them the ability to do it outside of the App Store away from Apple so Apple doesn't get that 30% cut. And quite honestly, these developers would get that full amount going to them. But Epic CEO said, uh, yeah, it's not a win for developers or for consumers. And Epic Games will not be bringing Fortnite back to the App Store immediately or anytime soon. So it's like, thanks? 
you know, Epic Games fight the good fight. They really wanted to establish that Apple was a monopoly, um, and it, they didn't. And I don't think it was going to happen, but they they sure as hell were going to try. So we'll see how you know Fortnite comes back to this store storefront or not. I just don't know. I mean, even the actual, like I said, in the current time, the specifics of this judge's rulings are unknown, and we don't know the exact parameters that Apple is going to have to um, require to provide or change. And so, like anything, it's really how the ruling is interpreted and then what ends up being implemented as, you know, what are these alternative payment methods going to be seen? Is it really a link? Is it, you know, uh, entering your credit card info directly into the app? We still don't completely know, but at the end of the day, Apple is not a monopoly, but at least the the method of in-app purchases looks to potentially change in the future. All right, everybody, that is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for hanging out. Before we go, first of all, obviously, we got to thank our Patreon supporters at the $100 Platinum Apple level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you to all of you who continue to support this show at patreon.com slash Tong. I forgot to mention earlier, but obviously, if you want to call in, what do you do? Record a voice memo on your phone, on your tablet on your laptop whatever platform you're on send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com that's applebits with a z and then your name where you're from what you want to talk about it we will put in the show but september 14th tuesday this is when it's all going down and uh it's an exciting time because finally right we're gonna have so much to do we got i have reviews reactions there's gonna be a lot of content coming down the pipeline but that's gonna do it for now Take care. We'll talk to you soon. And we will have a post-show wrap-up of the Apple event. Uh, Hoping to get a guest that's coming on the show so we can just kind of do a back and forth and just really spit out everything that we feel and our reactions to the actual keynote. So until then, we'll see you next time. Take care and be safe, everybody. Peace. Peace.